DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision's New Year's special continuing through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of this month. Check out the specials at davisvisionmd.com. Time to welcome in Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He joins us uh, all throughout the football season. He's here today to put a wrap on the season. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good. I assume you watch the Super Bowl differently. While everybody else is staring at the quarterbacks, I assume you are staring at the offensive and defensive line play, and I bet you were horrified watching Kansas City's offensive line scramble to protect their quarterback. Well, you know what? For for what it's worth, during this run with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, one of the, if if there was a weakness in the offense, it was considered the consistency on the offensive line. Now, they were able to make do and, and be able to make plays, obviously, to win the Super Bowl last year. But last night they were exploited. And, and I, I guess what I was surprised mostly as at is that during the time when the Chiefs have struggled, we've seen Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and this offense be able to make adjustments. Um, but they, they couldn't. And so you tip your hat to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because, for one, you know Todd Bowles is notoriously known as a blitzing defensive coordinator. I think they ran blitzes probably maybe four or five times last night. Everything else was just rushing four and played coverage. So there's a couple of things that we take away from the game. Not only was it a royal drubbing, uh, but for the most part, going forward, the Chiefs are going to be good offensively, uh, and they're going to be they're still going to be good in the, you know for years to come. But you might have seen sort of a formula to maybe negate some of their offensive output and maybe slow that down, slow down that offense a little bit. It seemed like when you have Tom Brady, obviously, you're going to get the majority of the attention is going to be focused on that side of the ball. But from the start of the season till now, the defense of Tampa Bay really, really came on. And these guys, looking at them in the playoffs, played well. And to me, you know, the offensive line of KC obviously is an issue. But I thought the bigger issue was the success of the defense for Tampa Bay, whether it's Bowles and obviously David and White and whoever, Sue and Barrett, all these guys all look like they were at the best at the time they needed to be. Could you respond to that? I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think what you've seen, especially out of this defense, this defense played with an attitude where it rose to the occasion, almost like it was tired of everybody just focusing on the offensive firepower. They wanted to be claimed and they wanted to, uh, to hear their name uh, and, and do some things. The defense is playing with an attitude. And I noticed it the first time in the playoffs when they played against New Orleans. The way they just they just seemed, you know, ornery. They were going to take what they were going to take, and you weren't going to have their way around. And they rode that throughout the the playoffs. Yeah, when you have one of the greatest quarterbacks in history playing on your football team, he's going to get all the credit. And I've always thought about you know quarterbacks get way too much credit, and, and, and you know when things go right, way too much blame when things go wrong. Uh, but he's going to get all the credit. But this defense played the way they were supposed to, and they really harassed Patrick Mahomes in this offense last night. Having said that, the difference in the game, I mean, both teams, you know, crossing midfield, having chances to score. Well, the Bucks had a half dozen good opportunities, and they got four touchdowns, kicked a field goal. They did get stuffed at the one-yard line on a goal line stand that no one will remember. Uh, and then for the, the Chiefs, they have two passes to the goal line, hit receivers in the face, and I thought they were incredible throws by Mahomes across his body, off the wrong foot, rolling left, throwing right, that stuff, and then kind of the submarine delivery to the goal line. I mean, have we really seen a quarterback do this? I know other guys have had incredible arms and other guys have been scramblers, but this, I mean, those two were just unbelievable. 
You're absolutely right. But the, the, he, we've seen him do these things before, and that's what makes him so great. Uh, the fact is that because it's a total team game, those receivers have to catch those balls. You know, if, if you know, those two passes that you're referring to were caught, especially the one that was down on the goal line, which hit the, you know, the would-be receiver right in the face mask, if that was caught, we might be having sort of a different outcome or talking about a different outcome in this game. Not to say that, it, you know, it might have been a little bit more of a shootout than it seemed to be one-sided, but the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been good during their run over the last couple of years of scoring touchdowns and making their offense one of their better defenses, the best defense is by putting pressure on opposing teams. They couldn't do that last night. And the field goals, just to get some points on the board, didn't slow the momentum of the Buccaneers. Conversely, it put more pressure on the Chiefs' offense to try to make plays, and Tampa Bay was right there waiting for it, right there waiting, knowing what you're going to do. So they doubled Tyreek Hill. They doubled Travis Kelsey. They were able to rush four and drop seven and play combo coverages on the back and not get beat deep. And there were other players on the Chiefs team that just did not make plays. So I'm not sure if they got a little full of themselves. They didn't want to show up. What happened? But Patrick Mahomes can't throw to himself and catch everything and do everything himself. He, he tried to do it the best he could. So as the analyst for the Raiders, you had the opportunity to see the Chiefs up close twice, including a one time when the Raiders actually won. I believe it was in KC. So as I yep. analyzed the Chiefs in relationship to the AFC West, you get the Raiders – you know, they a little bit of improvement. Expect to see some more Herbert over there with the Chargers and all that. Do you see the Chiefs capable of putting together a Patriots-like run? What I mean by that, I'm just talking about how the Patriots dominated the AFC East for so long. I'm not necessarily talking about winning Super Bowls. I'm talking about winning the division year after year. The Chiefs will be good. They'll, they'll be competitive. The difference to me is I think the AFC West, as compared to the AFC East, where the, where the Patriots dominated, is getting progressively better. We didn't see, you know, when, when, when Brady and the Patriots had their run, you saw, you know, teams like the Jets, the Dolphins try to make strides, but they were never able to get over the hump and challenge the Patriots. And that's one of the things that was lacking for hard to believe, but it was two decades. Other teams just couldn't get it right. I think there's a little bit of difference in the AFC West. I think when you talk about the Chargers having a quarterback and Justin Herbert, they're going to find a way to, to be competitive. I think the Raiders are still going to be competitive, and they're going to challenge the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a, have a big problem. They, they committed so much to their quarterback, and rightfully so, that they have to address that offensive line. Um, and what it looks like right now, Eric Fisher, their, their franchise left tackle, is going to miss all of next season. Um, and he probably is going to count significantly against the cap. And what I mean by that is anywhere from upward to 13 to 15 million. That's a big thing when you talk about having to get this offensive line better. You might not have as much resources as you think, and that might be the difference. The Patriots didn't really have to worry about that problem because they had a way of controlling the overhead and everything. The Chiefs are going to be a little bit different because the resources they paid out to Patrick Mahomes is going to probably affect them on some other end. I think this, I'm not saying that they're not going to be good or they're going to fall off the top, but they're going to be challenged in different ways because they're not going to be able to hold it together as well as the Patriots did back in the day. So are you hearing any, uh, any good dirt in NFL circles as far as Deshaun Watson? How far is he going to push this? And how much is, are things going to settle down in Houston and he'll be upset but he'll stay? Or or these two are going to go to the mat and he's going to try to get out of there and they're going to try to keep him and it's just going to go on? 
I think what's going to have to happen is you've got to sort of you got to court Deshaun Watson as though you're in college and you're trying to recruit him because he has a say so and, and that no trade clause. So there are still teams that are lobbying for you know position to try to figure out a deal. But um, the first thing that's going to happen that we're going to see in the next couple of days is where Carson Wentz is going to go, and I think he'll take a couple of teams out of that once they figure that out. I don't know if 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 I was a general manager, say if I was a general manager, Mike Mayock and the Raiders, I would make a push to get Deshaun Watson. I know a lot of Raider fans probably don't want to hear it, but I, I think he's a perfect winner that'll probably put you over the top. More importantly, he's a guy that can, can extend the play with his legs, and I think that's critical in today's game. Uh, with that being said, I don't know how far the Raiders want to give, how much they want to give up, um, but the mindset that the Rams took when they traded Jared Goff to the Detroit Lions and what they gave to get a quarterback so they can win now should be the overwhelming mindset of a lot of teams in the National Football League. Stop trying to worry about building for the future. If you have the ability to win now, make a play for a valuable player and make it happen. As we look at the NFL going forward, obviously it's a pass-driven league now with all the rule changes and all that. Uh, but you see teams like Baltimore and Tennessee who try to do it with the run. Is that, is that possible to have the high level of success if you're more run, run-oriented versus passing? Yes, it is possible. Good old-fashioned football still wins, in my opinion. They run in the ball and play in defense. However, the big part is playing defense. You can't – if you're a running football team like the Baltimore Ravens or Tennessee Titans, you and especially in the AFC, you can't afford to allow a team like the Kansas City Chiefs to jump ahead of you by two touchdowns and think that you're going to be able to stay in it. So you have to play ball control, and more importantly, you have to score touchdowns. When it comes down, especially in the AFC, when you look at it for the future, whether it's Buffalo or you know Tennessee or Baltimore, they're going to have to score touchdowns to keep pace with these high-power offenses. Running the ball and controlling the clock doesn't mean anything when you have a, a capable offense that can go down and score in a couple of plays, big play threats. So, yes, the the future is still uh, you know with the, the passing league and the ability these quarterbacks to to do things like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, so on and so forth. But it's still going to come down to good old fashioned football. You got to be able to run the ball. Hey, are you surprised that Alabama can lose fifteen people? A combination of assistant coaches and analysts. That kind of turnover doesn't seem to bug Saban at all. He just, I, I assume, he just gets a flurry of resumes and phone calls, and there's just a line of people trying to get in the door. But it still seems like that kind of turnover. But nothing impacts him. Even that kind of turnover. Yeah, you know, one one thing that you can take in, in South when it comes to Alabama is that. We already know they've got blue chippers sitting on the fence, on the on the bench. They've got you know top 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 recruits waiting for their chance to go in because you know their recruiting tool is that your your kid will be in the National Football League in the next three years. Uh, the, the same thing goes for a lot of the coaches. It's a stepping stone. Um, I'm not surprised. I I am surprised that the rest, like the SEC, for example, just can't catch up. Whatever Alabama is doing. If you could try to put together a good class, we saw what LSU did, you know, a year back when they ran, won the national championship. But other than that, they they weren't able to, to to keep it going. There has not been any consistency, especially for that the rest of that division. Yes, Florida's in the conversation, Georgia's in the conversation, but none to the extent of Alabama. And to me, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that every year we're going to talk about the same. Well, for me, for at least immediate future, we're going to talk about the same top college football teams: Ohio State. Clemson and Alabama. There's got to be more parity in this country than just those three teams. But those are going to be the reflection because those are the ones that are on top, and no one else is really close to, 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 to dethroning them. Now, 
We'll see how the Pac-12 does next year when, you know, Oregon and Washington have to take on Ohio State. It's a way to get some recognition, but you got to win those football games. And in the past, the Pac-12 hasn't been able to do it. No, it's kind of boring when it comes to that, seeing the same two or three teams in there. Very boring. <laughs> I mean, I love college football, but then right at the end, it's like uh, you're going to see this great movie, and then the last uh, couple of scenes, eh, that sucked. Yeah. I just can't I can't get into it. I did want to ask you one other question about uh, the uh-huh. Bucks, though. Yeah. We, we keep hearing that uh, – the players, even going back to Arizona, love to play for Bruce, Bruce Arians. What does that right. mean? It means, you know, every coach I've ever played for, and trust me, in my league, especially in the National Football League, I had a lot of different coaches. Every coach had the same theme opening day. Buy into what we're selling. Buy into our program. To, you know, devout yourself to what we believe in, in our way, and we're going to try to take you to the promised land. And Bruce Arians is no different. The, the fact that he allowed Tom Brady to come to the team, well, one thing, they, they got him. But the fact he allowed to bring somebody like an Antonio Brown, some like a Justin Fournette, I mean, Jason Fournette, the, these players that came in from other teams – and combined, you know, the Indomitian Sues and, you know, the Barretts and all the players, all the different personalities, they blend it and they still find a way to win a championship. It's very commendable. You don't see that on a lot of teams, especially in the National Football League, because the personalities generally rule. But you had a LaShawn McCoy on the bench. I mean, you, you had namesakes, for what it's worth, on this team, and they all contributed to the season's win. That's a great testament to Bruce Arians. And one of the things that most people love about him, especially working with him, is that he allows them to be him themselves. So the coaches, they, he allows them to coach. He doesn't micromanage them. He, he's the one. He's the sort of the overseer, but he doesn't micromanage people and allows them to give the freedom to express themselves, to explore their abilities and see what they can do. And if they need help, they can come to him and approach him and figure it out. But people love working with him because he allows them to be themselves. Lincoln, we appreciate you coming on all year long and talking football with us. And uh, we promise not to bother you until spring football starts. <laughs> Which Guys, isn't that far away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is it, a month or so? Anyway. Know, right? <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Be safe. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Lincoln. Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider player, University of Washington, great, and now on the Raider broadcast team and a Pac 12 network analyst. DJ and PK, the Utah Jazz, do it again. Four in a row. 15 out of 16. We will get to that next. Are you dreaming? You're going to let yourself dream now? How much more winning do you need? We'll get to that next. Stay with us.